Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 19 right now, sort of laying the foundation for what we'll be looking at in Ephesus. Uh, what's happening in Ephesus as Paul writes a letter of Ephesians. You know, sometimes we forget to do this. We'll jump into the letters and start reading them, and we don't even take just a moment to think of the context of what they went through and what was occurring, because that will give us insight into how to interpret things, why things are being said. So what we've seen up this point in time is in Acts chapter 19, where we left off last time, is that Demetrius the silversmith had rallied a workman of similar trades that he had because they were losing money. And he told them flat out why. Paul was persuading people to turn away from their false gods to the true God, and it was having a financial impact. And so they came, and what they did is they stirred up trouble, okay, among the people because they said, what's going to happen next is our great goddess Artemis is going to be regarded as worthless, you know? The one that the entire world worships, she's going to be dethroned, and she's going to be dethroned from her magnificence. So all the people heard this, and verse 28 says this, When they heard this, they were filled with rage. They began crying out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And, you know, in our last episode, I sort of made a big deal of how we, we sort of do the same kind of thing uh, related to something else different. We will take a uh, defensive stance, shall we say, related to what we believe some about something uh, theologically, or our denomination, denominational distinctives. I know one entire denomination is quite proud of their denominational distinctive. Now, that distinctive is totally biblical. It's in the Bible, okay? It's true, it's correct. But they act like they're the only ones that believe it. <laughs> Nothing can be further from the truth. So anyway, uh, let's go back here and pick this up and see what's happening here. So verse 28, they're crying out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Verse 29, the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and uh, Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. So they grabbed two of Paul's buddies that had been going along, that had been propagating the gospel, that had been teaching people. They grabbed them and bring them into the theater. Verse 30, and when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, the disciples would not let him go. So Paul wanted to go in there, but the uh, Ephesians, who were now disciples, the learners, the ones that believed, they wouldn't let him go. They literally kept him from going because they knew what would happen to him. So verse 31, also some of the Asiarchs who were friends of his sent to him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater. Verse 32, so then some were shouting one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And the majority did not know for what reason they had come together. Boy, does that not uh, sort of reflect the state of affairs quite often in our world today. You have these huge riots. You have these huge assemblies. And then you ask them why they're there, and they don't even know. That's what I said right here. The majority did not know for what reason they had come together. They just knew that people were mad. They just knew that people were moving toward the theater. They knew something was happen, so happening, so they went. And you know what? That happens today, folks. Uh, one of the easiest things to do is to get a crowd, is to assemble a mass. 
okay, a mass of people. Quite often we think, well, we're doing the great works of the kingdom because we got a great mass of people that meet once a week. Well, not necessarily so, okay? It could be. Hope it is. But it doesn't mean it's necessarily so. For this reason right here, they don't even know for what reason they come together. There was confusion. They were shouting. One shouting one thing. Somebody else is shouting something else. So verse 33, some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander since the Jews had put him forward and having motion with his hand, Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, okay, a single outcry arose from them all as they shouted for about two hours. Great as Artemis of the Ephesians, great as Artemis of the Ephesians. Now, you know, over in uh, Timothy, and Paul's writings to Timothy and to Titus, he warns, those, warns them about, particularly Timothy, about a guy named Alexander, Alexander the coppersmith, who had done him much harm. We don't know if it's the same Alexander, okay, because that's a very, very common name, like John Smith, you know. Um, but sort of the context and everything, I'm sort of thinking this might be the same Alexander right here, who is a Jew. Paul said that he had done him great harm in, in, in coming against him, coming against the gospel message. Well, if this was the same one, that's all right. If it's not, that's all right, too. It doesn't matter. Anyway, this Alexander was going to stand up, and he was going to make a defense, okay? But when they found out that he was a Jew, man, they shouted him down. Verse 35, after quieting the crowd, the town clerk said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there after all who does not know what the city of the Ephesians, that the city of Ephesians is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of the image which fell down from heaven. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, uh, the ESV calls it a sacred stone, okay? Uh, King James says it was an image which fell down from Jupiter. Isn't that interesting? From Jupiter, from the heavens. And apparently they had a meteorite that had fallen down from heaven, and they considered it to be a sacred stone, considered it to be a sign of Artemis. And he says, who doesn't know that... that that this is where uh, Artemis resides, and it's called the Great Artemis. And there's actually archaeological uh, evidence that describes Artemis as the Great Artemis. So verse 36, so then, same guy is speaking, town clerk. So since these are undeniable facts, you ought to keep calm and to do nothing rash. He's sitting there saying, hey, wait a minute. We got this great temple. We got this great God. We got this image which fell down from heaven. Why are you getting all bent out of shape? And it boils down to something you see several times in the Scripture. If our God is really the God that we believe him, him to be, then why are we worried about it? See what I'm saying? If your God can be defeated by another God, it's not much of a God. So he says, you know, you ought to keep calm and don't do anything rash. Verse 37, for you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. Notice that he's acknowledging they haven't blasphemed our goddess. They haven't said anything against her. They were just saying there's no need to worship uh, these idols anymore. And they haven't robbed the temple. Verse 38, so then, if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a complaint against any man, the courts are in session and pro are available. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you want anything beyond this, it shall be settled in the lawful assembly. So he's telling them, why are you acting this way? Why are you behaving this way? 
You know, we have courts, we have pro-councils, we have processes to settle these type of matters. He continues, verse 40, For indeed, we are in danger of being accused of a riot in connection with today's events. Since there's no, no real cause for it, and in this connection, we will be unable to account for this disorderly gathering. And then verse 41, last verse, chapter 19. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. <laughs> they listened to him. He was calling them on the carpet. He said, why are you acting this way? Why are you behaving this way? You know what? We're going to have to give an account for this disorderly gathering. Well, who would they have to give an account to? The Romans. And who wants to give an account to the Romans? And, and he says, we're going to be accused of a riot. He said, you're letting your emotions run away with you over this. Why are you behaving this way? He brought a good word, well spoken in season. And when he said this, he dismissed the assembly and they left. Okay, they left and it was over with. But you see the ruckus that was caused. This is the body of Christ that uh, Paul is writing to when we read Ephesians. He's writing to the believers that were a part of the city that had lived here that used to be like this, but who were now saved. I think it'll give us some real insight as we go along. Well, my time's up again. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time.